Welcome to Look What She Built, where we show you examples of what an iconic woman leader looks like. I'm your host, Jamie Rowe, and I'm so excited to have you here. I created Look What She Built because I want to celebrate the bold, the brave, and badass women who are doing business in their own way. In this podcast, we're going to interview and celebrate these women business owners, as well as bring on experts that can help us dive deep on topics like sales, self-care, money mindset, and more. So let's dive in and show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Hello, everyone. This is Jamie Rowe from Look What She Built podcast. And today I have Amy Batuski. Did I say yeah, you nailed it. Start. <laughs> Could you say it one more time for me? Yeah, Amy Batuski. Batuski. I was trying to figure out what rhymes with that and I just really fell down. I think people make it harder than it is, but like we get in our heads because we want to get it right. Right. So it's it's that you did it perfectly. Oh, thank you. You're very nice. Yeah. Well, let me read your bio and then we can get started here. So, right. um, so Amy Batuski is a pleasure and intimacy expert committed to women le- living turned on, connected, and satisfying lives. She's worked side by side with some of the top sexuality and intimacy teachers in the world. Amy and her business partner, Ellie Montgomery, are the millennial authorities in the global wide movement of the new feminine. Through their company, Desire on Fire, they run retreats virtual programs, and an international sisterhood community. They've taught thousands of women how to create wild, confident intimacy, hot sex, hello, and fulfilling relationships. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So I know you're in Costa Rica right now, right? I am, and I am just hoping and praying that the Wi-Fi is stable enough for this whole conversation. So I'm just going to keep holding that vision (laughs) through the entire conversation. And, you know, my apologies if if this is choppy at all for those listening. Okay, awesome. Well, no problem. And yes, we're going to be, we're being available to receive good Wi-Fi right now. That's right. Completely. (laughs) Yes, I'm in Costa Rica. I'm so happy here and I'm sweating. So, you know, I don't know if people are going to watch this or see that or hear this, but I'm, I'm sweating and luckily there's AC and it's cooling down the room. So I'm okay. But the environment is beautiful and you may be able to hear some of the background noise of the, the, the birds or lizards or insects or whatever is making sounds around me. Um, it's really beautiful. Yes. The beauty of Costa Rica. And also too, is whenever we're sweating, I'm like, I'm just glowing everyone. This is just glistening in my feminine radiance. So you're welcome. Extra feminine glow right now. (laughs) That's right. Awesome. So you're in Costa Rica. What did you have for breakfast today? I had a vegan burrito and uh, a bowl of fruit. It was so good. Vegan burrito. It was like, um, I had to custom make it, which happens often when I'm in foreign countries because I'm vegan. So I'm always like, you know, asking for specifically what I want, which is the work that I do. I teach women how to ask for what they want. So I asked for a burrito with um, rice and beans and pico de gallo and avocado and plantains and veggies. And it was really good. What's edgies? No, I I think I might have broken up. Um, Veggies. Just veggies. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just like roasted vegetables. <laughs> I was like, I need to know this. I, I yeah, like, what is this thing I don't know about? Honestly, it could have been like, like a vegan egg alternative. That would be a catchy name, but it wasn't. 
<laughs> no, that's great. I'm a pretty, um, I have a lot of preferences when it comes to food. And so I'm always custom making things and it is a great experiment in asking for what you want because there's oh, times nice. where you're like, I can't eat anything on the menu. I need to build something and just having a very patient waiter or waitress help you and serve you and being open to receive that is you've been there. I see you smiling, like you got to do totally. it and it's a great practice. It really is. Yeah. And it ha especially when I'm traveling, it's a, it's a daily practice. Yes. Let's talk about daily practice for a moment here before we get into meat and potatoes is, do you have a morning practice that you'd want to share with everyone? Because I feel like morning to me is such a very sacred time. And it's my sacred time to drop into who I am before I start the day in ground. So I'm just curious from you, what kind of a practice do you have in the morning? Yeah. So my practice is actually really simple. I just do 15 minutes of silent time with myself. So um, I don't always call it meditation because sometimes I have my eyes open. Sometimes I'm kind of wandering, but I'm always with myself in silence with my phone away, my computer away. Um, so that is my morning. That is my commitment every single day. I start my day before I turn my phone on, you know, off airplane mode. I sleep with it on airplane mode and I turn it on. Uh, I, I put on the timer 15 minutes and I just sit with myself, eyes closed for the most part. And I breathe and I hand things over to my higher power. If I'm feeling powerless or out of control or I'm obsessing about something or worrying about something, I hand it over to God, goddess, universe, higher power. And I ask my spirit guides to support me and back me. And I'll ask for protection and guidance and love. Sometimes I'll call in specific things or ask for specific desires or help around specific desires. I used to do life very independently. Um, like, you know, I... I really wore the independent woman uh, identity as a badge of honor. And so that was in my life, but it was also in, in my, in my spirituality, like, no, I don't believe in God and no, I don't really need help from anything. And there's nothing out there that's really helping. And in my spiritual development and my spiritual awakening, I have really started to lean on spirit source, God, whatever you want to call it to support me every day. Like, I don't need to do this alone. I'm going to lean on my spirit guides. I'm going to lean on the energy around me that wants me to have what I want. And I'm going to ask for specific help when I need it. So that's my time that I do that. I do at least 15 minutes every morning. And really that's it. That's consistent. I also have a self-pleasure practice and that can be that's consistent and inconsistent. Like I'm not very regimented about it because I'm like, it's self-pleasure and it's all about feeling and sensation and the feminine and the flow. So I'm not, you know, I'm not daily about that, but I go through phases where, where I am more committed. Um, there, there are other things, journaling practices and breath work and things that I'll bring in at times, but they're not my consistent every day. So just that 15 minutes of silent time with myself is my daily commitment. Yeah, no. And that's a, such a beautiful time too. And it's so interesting when you're sitting in silence is realizing how busy your mind can be. You know, it's, oh, yeah, just totally. it's like a crazy person up there. There's some days yes. I'm like, whoa. And just writing it down, the craziness, like the stream of consciousness. I'm like, am I really thinking that? It's so, totally. what is it? you have so many negative thoughts per day. And I don't know that, what is it like 80,000 or something bananas, right? And so, but sitting in silence um, is such a beautiful practice. And it's, it's, you think it's easy to sit in silence, but it's one of the hardest things to do. It's not. Well, and that's why, that's why my commitment is just to sit in silence with myself rather than to call it meditation or to a, a commitment to a certain kind of meditation. Because when I started this practice, like two and a half years ago, I actually committed to doing this every day. 
what I knew I could commit to is sitting in silence with myself. The idea of like clearing my mind or releasing all of my thoughts or being able to drop into some deep theta, theta brainwave meditative state, like it felt like too much. Like, how can I admit to that? What if I can't do that? Like I was setting myself up for failure. And so what I knew I could commit to was just 15 minutes of quiet time with myself, which was already a breakthrough. It was already revolutionary for me who would wake up in the morning and get right on my phone or my computer. So to have that 15 minute buffer between my wake up and my day has already been such a breakthrough and so beneficial for me. And so I share all that a bit more detail for anyone listening, because a lot of people put a lot of pressure on what meditation practice is supposed to look like. And it can really be revolutionary to just sit with yourself for 10, 15, 20 minutes a day and just be with yourself and listen to those crazy thoughts and ask for some guidance or support if you have a spiritual practice. Yeah. So I invite people to do it, even if it's imperfect. Yeah. And, and ask for help, which is, and even saying out loud. In fact, I did that this morning with one piece. I'm like, can I just get some help here? Like, this is what I want. And I just kind of left it and just put it out there. Like, this is what totally. I'm working on right now. Um, yeah. So interesting. Okay. Let's, you ready? Yeah. Look Always. At your face. You're like, let's do this. <laughs> I am fascinated, but wait, I met you at a conference in Dallas earlier this yep. year. And um, you said something to me that I'm not going to talk about here on, but you said something to me that was <laughs> that was really interesting at the conference. Uh, do you now everyone you said to me is going to be like, what did she say? I know. <laughs> Should we just share it? Should we just share it? So well, on um, my podcast, we would be sharing all these things. I know your podcast seems like a little more appropriate because it's about business and things, but it is about I'm also for the inappropriate. So we're going to be inappropriate for this podcast. I already know it's, remember I said this is going to be explicit. Yeah. So I, okay. So we were standing in line and there was two people on either side. Oh, wait. Yeah. I think this was the one, two people on either side. And you had to go up to each person, like 10 people in a row and say, what was it? I need you to respect my space. Yeah. Something like that. And you had to say it to the person until they believed you. And then they would release their hands and let you go to the next person and move yes. down the line until you're at the end. And so <laughs> I think I was struggling to say it with someone. And I think I, I said, I'm going to say it from my heart. And you said, no, say it from your pussy. And I was like, That's right. love her. I don't know who <laughs> she is, but I love her and I need more of Amy. And so that was such a beautiful moment. Like that's my like best memory from that conference. And I want to, I want to say something about that because I could feel that you could receive it. Like I wouldn't have said that to anyone, but I could already feel you. Like we were already sharing energy and I could feel you. And when I said it, you received it and you mm -hmm. dropped into your body and you shared so powerfully and yeah, we did have like a beautiful, like synchronistic connection there in that moment where you could feel me and like what I'm about, what I'm committed to and like my commitment to women being embodied. And, and I, and I could feel that you could receive it. So it was such a beautiful moment. And then it just opened us up to deeper conversations and more taboo conversations and which you could already feel that I was available for given that, that was how we kind of started our friendship. Yes, it was beautiful. Yeah. Everyone needs to meet Amy at a conference or just somewhere because <laughs> she just like glows and glistens, not because she's sweating. Um, right, Maybe just your both. presence. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that that was really interesting. So I, 
what I want to hear from you and your story of coming to this place, like people don't just meet people at conferences and say, say it from your pussy. Like there's a whole story here that I want to know. And so there was, I'm guessing some type of a calling to start this business. So can you walk me through what that calling looked like? Yeah, totally. I definitely wasn't saying that to people a few years ago. So you're right. Um, and I do think it's really important to, to share the background because it's like where we came from is just as important as where we are and how we've gotten to here. So I, uh, I've been a coach full-time for six and a half years, but when I started coaching, I was more in kind of like general life coaching and accountability and communication and things like that, which are all useful, but I was really stuck in my sex life and my love life. So even though I had a very rich, thriving life, like beautiful relationships and friendships. And I created my dream job being a coach. And I moved to, from New York city to LA and like everything on paper was perfect, but my sex life and my love life was total shit. And I would go on dates with men and just like complain. And it's funny, my, my business partner, Ellie, who you, who you shared, you know, with everyone listening when you introduced me, um, she and I used to vent to each other about how much men suck, Aww. which is really ironic now because we teach all about loving men and having divine connection with the masculine and with your with your inner masculine and the masculine outside and your inner feminine and all the divine union of the two anyway not at that time so i was complaining and i i was very emasculating to men didn't know that i was so i was complaining about them behind their back to their face i was like not able to receive very dismissive untrusting and i knew that i needed something different so a few years into my coaching business, my business partner, Ellie, who was not my business partner at the time, she was my complaining buddy. Um, she got engaged. I was like, what, what happened? You betrayed me. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, we have a pact, you know, an unspoken pact um, to hate on men. And she got engaged to this man who lives in South Africa. And I'm like, what, 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 what happened? tell me everything. And she shared with me that she had started to dive into the feminine realm of transformational work. So healing around her body, her pussy, her feminine energy, her pleasure, orgasm, the orgasmic energy that runs through us. And I was like, okay, that sounds terrifying, but also amazing. I want to sign up for this. Let's go. So I started to dive into courses, trainings, and retreats all about these topics, about intimacy, telling the truth, feeling your body, revealing what your body feels, healing trauma, doing shadow work, exploring your desire and your pleasure. Like all of these things that weren't in my more quote, masculine personal development seminars prior to this, that was more like, okay, like do X, Y, and Z, create your life, create this goal, reach it, access that, communicate effectively, like beautiful training, incredible training and not really inclusive of the body. So I dove in, it was terrifying. I learned orgasmic meditation, which is a partnered clitoris stroking practice. I learned different kinds of breathing exercises, energetic sexual practices, all sorts of different things in the sexuality and intimacy space. And immediately I started changing. I start talking, talk about our radiance and our magnetic glow and energy that you brought up with my sweatiness. Um, I started to turn on, like my inner magnet started to turn on again. And it had been off for years. And, and mind you, I'm like 23 at this point, 23, 24. So it's not like my magnet should have been off. 
but it was just naturally from just being jaded by like dating college guys and, and being in New York city dating and not having great experiences with men. So I naturally started integrating it into my work, right? I was already a, a full-time coach and I had one-to-one clients. And then I started doing small group coaching. My program at the time was called wild, confident intimacy. And I had like groups of 10, uh, 10, 12, 14 women and I'd be coaching them, bringing in these tools around speaking your truth, expressing your desire, being vulnerable, revealing your heart, connecting to your pussy, connecting to your pleasure. And it was revolutionary for all my clients and for myself. So I can, I can pause. I know this isn't a lot, but it wasn't until that was, um, that was around like 2017, 18 that I started diving into it. Then 20. 2018, at the end of 2018, I, I led my first retreat with my business partner, Ellie, called Desire on Fire. And it was seven women and it was really amazing. And um, since then we've led retreats, but we didn't, de- we didn't decide to go all in to our business until the beginning of 2020. And then we said, we're going all in. We both had successful separate six-figure businesses. And we're like, we are committed to this work, to this community that we're building, this international community and these programs that we want to put on for thousands of women and eventually millions. Um, and so let's go all in. And we did and really started growing the company in, in 2020. And um, yeah, and then it's just been amazing. Now we have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of clients. We have an international community, thousands of women. And, you know, we hit our first million dollar year last year in 2021 and have really grown it and poured our hearts and souls and pussy magic into this company. And it has been life-changing and confronting and beautiful and pleasurable and challenging and all the things. All the things building any business, right? Like all exactly. the wonderful, beautiful, the highs and the lows is entrepreneurship, right? Totally. That's a beautiful story. Um, and I love on your website, you know, talking about being a magnet, like you have, are you ready to become a magnet for the sex, ease, and abundance you crave? Yeah. Who's going to say no to that? I mean, like that's right? awesome. Like, okay, yes, please sign me up. Yeah. Um, and the journey, it's almost like a complete flip for you of like you're saying, venting and complaining, emasculating men, tough environment in New York. Someone was telling me it was like, it's 16 to one because all these women moved in because of sex in the city and all the men left the city. So it's oh like God, 16 no women to one man in New York city. Wow. So I felt that, <laughs> but, but what I will say about that is even if that, if that's true, which sounds right. I mean, like that was my experience, but it was me. I wasn't available to magnetize even the one man to every 16 women. Whereas now it's like, I have such a different mindset around it because I'm not in scarcity because I trust my magnetism, my, my feminine power. And like, I trust the alignment of, of attracting partners or lovers or clients who are actually in resonance with our frequency and our energy. And I just had, I was putting out like terrible energy that, I mean, it was like, fuck you. I don't need you. Um, you suck and you're never going to be able to do anything better than me. That was the energy I was putting off. Mm. So it's like, of course I wasn't attracting a man or, or like a quality man, you know? Um, cause that, that feels like shit. Like that energy feels terrible. And mm. now I put off such a different energy and I'm so receptive. And of course it's an ongoing practice, but now I love men and I love myself and I love my body and my magnetism. So I can actually receive men's attention and not be threatened by it. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And also to uh, coming with magnetism and attraction is, I think we've talked about human design. Which one are you? I'm a manifesting generator. Okay. I was just going to say. Yeah. Four six. Yeah. I'm an alpha. It's funny. I had a ring and, and he said like, he kind of like, I know a lot about the numbers, but, um, Ellie, my business partner is more into human design than I am. She's a, she's a projector and I'm, I'm a manifesting generator. So we do really well together. Yep. But when I got a reading from my friend, Travis, who's an amazing human design expert, he said, basically you're the channel of the alpha. You're the networker. You get into people's auras really, really quickly and easy and get really into with people easily, especially women. And he said, if you combine all of that, uh, and he said, you're, I forget what it's called, but the category is like, you, you tend to be really busy. So he's like, if you combine all of that, you're basically busy leading a intimate sisterhood of women. Oh, and, and you're like, like, okay, that fits. <laughs> Thanks for the confirmation. That's there you go. Time, right? It's confirming. But manifesting generators, as I lovingly call many gens, and the generators, they attract when you know what you want. That's why it's so important to know what you want because your aura is bringing people in, which is super cool. Um, and projectors. Um, yeah, that's nice. That's a nice fit between the two of you. Yeah. That's she's more of the like intuition and I'm more of the engine. So I, I, I like, yeah, bring the power and she directs us with her intuition. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Okay. So along the way, especially building a million dollar business, um, anyone who's listening, who's inspired by that, or has built a million dollar business knows that, um, there's challenges, there's obstacles, there's things that come up where it's just part of being an entrepreneur. I, I've never met an entrepreneur that doesn't have a couple of war wounds from things, either like clients or, you know, whatever the case. So what obstacles have you had to overcome during this journey? Yeah, so many. I would say the first few that come to mind are, it's been a really intense transition um, gaining a team because coming from, especially my previously very independent woman archetype energy, it was really hard for me to delegate and to hand things off and to trust a team. And so, especially over the last year, we've really developed our team and, and we have now a team of 12 and it's amazing, but it's taken a lot of time and we've had to fire people and it hasn't been the right fit. And then some people have been the right fit and they're amazing, but then of course they make mistakes. And then I feel disappointed and distraught. Like we actually just, this is hilarious, but last week, I don't know if you already know this, Jamie, but those listening don't. Last week we had a mistake, like there was a mistake on our back end. Our team member did this, that they accidentally sent out an invitation to 1400 people on our mailing list about a cock worship call, like a cock massage, um, like a tantric massage, virtual workshop that we were holding. Right. You know, but not <laughs> everyone like, knows what that massage, is. Cock not worship, everyone knows. What? Right. Everyone, like, I'm like, I talk about it so normally, like, yeah, it was a cock worship workshop. And I had like a few people like, what's cock worship? <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's not the norm for people, but it is funny. And I, I posted about this on my story that day because I was, I was laughing at like, these are the problems that we deal with. Like, and I love that, that we accidentally invited far too many people to a cock worship, a tantric massage virtual workshop. And, you know, on the one hand, it was hilarious and amazing because extra people came and we totally were like, that's fine. You can come. But at the same time, I also noticed where I felt upset was because I felt like, okay, there feels like a distrust, like a lack of trust in my team because that was a breakdown. And what if it had been more serious? And also it was 1400 women 
many of whom are only in our Facebook group. So they haven't really, you know, they haven't dove into our work. They haven't really invested in our work yet. So they're not necessarily ready for that level of conversation or practice. And so it could have been violating to their energetic system even to get that kind of message. Now I'm not overly worried about it. Like, obviously I trust, I surrender. I like, we have a great laugh at it. it. It's all, it's all good. It's all amazing. But I definitely noticed that. And so there've been moments like that over the last couple of years, especially as we've been growing where there have been massive breakdowns, like massive breakdowns on, on the team or things that happened and the wrong email was sent out or, you know, the wrong people were invited or this thing didn't even happen. Like the back end wasn't set up to support it. And we didn't have enough team support to actually create it. So we had at, at one point, our assistant was working like 88 hours a week or more because she was doing like four different roles. And so then we would end up overworking and she would be overworking. Like there have been times where we have been complete workaholics and it's just not, sustainable, nor is it what we teach. Like we want to be in flow and in feminine energy and ease. And, you know, it means we still get shit done and do things and our masculine is strong, but it, we've, we've overdone it at times because we felt like we needed to. And, um, and then the other thing that came up for me when you asked is, um, for sure dealing with upset clients. I mean, growing to be holding this many women, like in our current membership, which is for our graduates of our flagship program, Pleasure Mastery. Um, it's called the Inner Circle. It's our year-long membership. We have 108 women in it right now. And our, our Pleasure Mastery cohorts are about six groups. I used to be holding. Okay. Uh, Sorry. We just had a little glitch there. Go ahead. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. My, my Wi-Fi is glitching. Okay. Um, so, so we're holding large groups of women now, right? Our cohorts of our programs are 60 to hundred women. And so with the growth, with the expansion comes more people that get triggered and are upset or are dissatisfied or are projecting on that when they're, you know, a wound inside of them is getting touched or their inner child is having a fit. Right. And so there have been some very challenging times where we've had clients who were triggered, who wanted to quit or were projecting onto us or calling us a cult or are calling me a bad leader or we're feeling victimized or whatever. And it's so fragile. The work that we do, it's so deep. It's so intimate. It's so vulnerable that it can be very intense when someone gets triggered because they can so easily go into kind of a victim space and say, you're the problem, the community is the problem, or the company's the problem, or the leader is the problem, or another girl in the class or the woman in the program is the problem, and so easily feel justified when they're really just triggered, right? And so it's very delicate, this dance of working with people around their triggers, their wounds, and their deep, you know, shadow work and their healing to access more pleasure and ease and flow in their life, but it can be bumpy. We always get through it, but man, can it be bumpy. We had a, we had a woman last night on our inner circle call, our membership call. Like she was just like, I am so grateful for how much you, you held me through. Like I gave you guys hell and she did. And she's like, thank you for holding me through it because I feel like a completely different woman now. I feel so grateful and at ease and like open. And she literally looks like a different person. She has softened and opened so much, but man, did she test us. <laughs> she yeah. really tested us. And so that that's honestly been 
some of the hardest parts for me. And I have to get a lot of support for myself. I'm very supported. Like we, we take leader care very seriously. So we have amazing coaches, therapists, and energy healers that we are always working with Ellie and I, so that we never are stuck with our own triggers or wounding or feelings, you know, of inadequacy or insecurity when a client is upset or projecting insecurity onto us. Um, and it's an intense game. It's an intense, it's an intense practice. Especially when people are triggered and they'll say things where you're like, what the, where did that come from? And you're just thinking, wow, we're definitely like, they don't even know they're being triggered sometimes. And I think that's a great point you brought up is having support as a leader. And I think as small business owners, any business owner, any human being having a support system available for you, especially when people are coming at you and it's projecting, usually it's their stuff, right? As I say, it's your shit, but uh, I will sit here and listen. Uh, Let's work through this and let's reframe it. Um, Totally. And it's hard when they're in it. It's hard because you can't just be like, that's your shit. Yeah. You can't say that. I mean, you You can, but it's not going to get you Even though you can say it here. You can't say it there, right? In that moment, you can't say that. And so then it's like, that's why I said the delicateness, right? The the delicate energy of like holding someone in the trigger without making it worse while also wanting to hold them personally responsible for their own triggers, their own wounding, right? Their own reactions. It's it's a delicate dance. It is a delicate dance, but that's why we coach and we do what we do, right? So you just, I, I always default to asking questions. Totally. So they come to their conclusion that they're being triggered, right? Because you can't yeah. say, hey, uh, Amy, I think you're being triggered right now. You're like, you can go screw yourself, <laughs> right? Exactly. You just ask questions. So you're like, and you're like, oh, shit, I'm being triggered. Right? Yeah, right. Let's you figure it out right now. Is that, right. That's not, well, think about this. All these times, right? Because you deal with very, um, really beautiful topics. You're unearthing a lot of areas. Maybe some people have never talked about I mean, even I know growing up a conservative Catholic family, I remember sex ed, they threw you in a room, you watched a horrible, like literally film on a reel. Yeah. And it would flip, flip, flip when it's done anyway. And then they would just turn it off and there'd be no discussion. Wow. I remember us watching a baby being born one time and I thought, <laughs> sorry, they showed us a video and then no, no discussion. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, it's a lot of liquid that looks like a root beer float. <laughs> That's disgusting. And we're back. But isn't that so sad that that it's is super the way sad. that our, our sex education system, I know it was worse then, but in many places it is just as bad now. And we're not being taught about the, the, the comprehensiveness of sexuality, like around pleasure and communication. And so much of what I teach adults is what should be taught when we are in middle school or high school, pre-sexually active time. Like I'm literally teaching women what I call a conscious sex talk, which is like what to talk about with a lover or a partner before you have sex with them, which should be taught when we're 14, because that's often when people are starting to have sex now. I mean, I had sex when I was 16. I think it's really common. I mean, sadly, it's even common now for people to be having sex in middle school, but even so, whenever people are having sex, no judgment, 
we need to be providing the education for them to have these conscious conversations, asking about desires and boundaries and protection. And what does this mean to you? And what are your aftercare needs? Like, what do you need after we sleep together? Or are you even available for penetration? Or would you like some other kind of play? And to give people the language to actually ask for the kind of play that they want and to say no to the kind of play they don't want um, is, is revolutionary. And it is for women that I'm teaching and coaching who are in their you know, mid to late 20s through mid to late 50s is mostly like our, our, our clientele. And it's still new for all of them, right? Because most people are not having these conversations even with their long-term committed partners. Yeah, it, it just depends on some, your history, right? Your background and how you're brought up. I mean, um, I think it's beautiful work that you're doing. I mean, and it's so needed um, because a lot of people, yeah, don't have in that and they don't know where to go. And also too, like, I, cause I have two teenagers, I'm not gonna talk about them cause they would just cringe. Even when I talk about sex with them, because I'm like, do you know, this is called a vulva. And my daughter's like, oh my God, mom, stop. And I'm like, no, it's important. Cause it's your, the vagina's inside. It's not like a labia. And she's like, oh my God, just stop right now. And I'm like, right, exactly. You're super embarrassed. But if not, she actually, at one point, she's like, I didn't know what that was. I don't even well, I'm know. so glad you're having those conversations or attempting yeah. to, even if they're resisting it, right? Like totally powerful. And so many parents aren't even trying. No, I mean, I mean, if anything, I remember a nun in a full habit, standing up in the front of the room where all women, and it was probably eighth grade freshman year. And they um, took us and she rolled out a piece of duct tape, had a whole roll, pulled it out, put it on her hand and ripped it off put on her hand, ripped it up, put her hand and kept ripping it off over and over. And we're like, what the, what is she doing? Sister Marianne, what are you doing? She's like, every time you have sex, you get less sticky. So the more partners you have, the less stickiness you're going to have or who you are. Like it diminishes has who you are. And it was like, Oh, well, it was designed. You should only have sex for procreation. There's no pleasure involved. That's how I was brought up. Right. Right. And so, right. Oh, oh my, my God, Lord. that needs to be burned. That it's concept. Deep. The conditioning is so deep in yes. us. And yeah, it's, it gets stuck and stored in the body. So the level of shame that I do healing work around with clients is so deep, whether it's from religion or from their parents or from, you know, their, their extended family or even from the media, like it is deep our level of conditioning around sex and the shame that we hold around it instead of it being like this beautiful connected orgasmic well has the potential of being very orgasmic right experience that can literally have us feel most connected to god or source spirit and that is missing completely from the conversations that we're having around sex yeah, I know. That's exactly keep doing what you're doing. Let's talk about you and your becoming and how think about the Amy in New York City complaining about the guys, oh, there's this and that, right? With Ellie. And think about where you are today in that transformation. And if you could go back and say to her something, the Amy back in what, 2017, 2016? Mm-hmm. 2016. Yeah, 2015 is uh, my 2015? last year in in um, New York. What would you say to her? Started 2015. Hmm. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I would say something like, you do not have to do all of this alone. 
And the key to having everything that you want is in tapping into your body, in learning about your pleasure and uh, connecting to your sex. So do whatever it takes, even when it's scary, even when it's uncomfortable, even when there's shame that comes up, do whatever it takes to get free around your body and your sexuality and your pleasure because it's the key to unlocking everything. Mm -hmm. It really is, you know, um, especially with pleasure, I think, and this is training from, or maybe I've heard this from you too, is how can I make this moment more pleasurable? like having pleasure and finding little things, even if it's just taking your hands and rubbing it on your legs or your arms, like, oh, that feels good. I mean, as simple as that and dropping into your body by doing that, you know? Yeah, I I often ask my clients, like, how can we make this moment even 10% more pleasurable? Just Mm -hmm. even slightly, how can you adjust yourself or give yourself a little massage or stretch or take a deep breath or get some water, put on some slippers? Like, just how can you make any moment how can you bring your attention to your pleasure and put your attention on your pleasure and, and just take it up a notch in any moment? Because even just being in that conversation, right? The conversation of pleasure and, and specifically, you know, my work and my company's called Desire on Fire, bringing your attention to what do I desire? What do I desire right now is radical. That is not how people live. That is not how, especially women live. I led a workshop last weekend here in in Costa Rica. I was at a retreat. It was a wedding retreat. And I led a workshop about desire and intimacy. And I had them do an exercise about desire. And one of the women shared after she was like, I never ask myself what I want. I never am in the conversation with myself of what I desire. I'm always living out of what I think I should be doing, what I have to do, what the goals are, what's expected of me, what needs to get done. And she's like a very, very famous influencer on the internet and just like completely was like wowed by how radical it was for her to think about and for her to share her desires in that exercise because it was so unusual for her yeah wow isn't that fascinating and we keep these almost like a skeletons in our closet hidden where you wouldn't expect where you meet people and you're like really I didn't I had no idea and um, to just have that so ingrained. So what an opportunity she had to meet you. Maybe that yeah. broke open or even like kick the door open just a little bit to get your toe in there and that have a crack of light in. Cause that's where it all starts. It's starting these conversations, these conscious conversations around intimacy, around sexuality. Cause I think it ties into, well, it ties into sales for sure. Sales can yeah. be a very sexy process. It's a persuasion, charming, charismatic it all ties into actually getting what you want. So I see yeah. a lot of people who struggle with sales is they don't know how to ask what they want. They don't totally. even know and what I, they want. And I would add to that, that sales are, is vulnerable, right? So it's like asking for what you want tends to be vulnerable. And then there's so many elements of it, like the person selling, right? It's really vulnerable to hold the vision for someone of what this service or product could do for them. It's vulnerable to be like, I'm actually standing for you and I'm holding this vision for you and I'm seeing something that's possible for you. Are you going to take that step or not? That's a vulnerable position to hold. And then same for the person who is uh, pursuing the potential, the opportunity, right? The service or the product. It is vulnerable to admit 
like you said, that you want something, that you have a desire, admitting the thing that you want, that the service or product could support or provide is really vulnerable and often can feel humiliating to the ego. Like, no, I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't need anything. I don't need support. I don't need coaching. I don't need holding. And like, actually it's extremely vulnerable to, to reveal, to show your cards and say, I don't have everything I want. I do want more. I do want different and I do need help. So yeah, yeah, sales is so vulnerable. It's so is, you know, desire is such a relevant and important conversation inside of sales. And it's, it can be very tender. It can be. I've had so many people cry in my, I do a 30 minute phone call discovery call and almost like they feel like they're found out. Totally. They finally broken down. They're like, I have this great idea and I don't know how to sell. And in fact, I hate selling. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a smart woman or I'm a smart guy and I can't figure it out. What's wrong with me? Am I broken? And it's like, it's a complete breakdown. And then I know they're ready mm-hmm. because the people who call them sugarcoat. Well, I need it, but not really. I'm like, well, what are your sales and where do you want to be? And that there's a yeah. big gap and it's been like several years. Sales have been flat. I'm like, all right we need to get a little deeper here or you're not ready. Right. That's okay. And I'll send you to someone else. I have that you go through with the, actually it's therapy. Then you can come back yep. to me. Right. Totally. Then and we're ready to get started. Needed. People aren't ready, but yes. I so relate to what you're saying. Cause that was so me when I started with my business coach just six and a half years ago, when I started my business, I was like, yeah, but I know how to coach. And yeah, I can do this. And she was like, do you have the results that you want? Do you have the business that you want? And I was like, no, <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, if you don't have it, you're probably not going to get there with the tools that you have. And my ego is so fighting it. I mean, fortunately she really stood for me and I really might, was able to move past my ego and connect with my desire. And I said, yes, I worked with her for four years. She mm-hmm. was so game-changing for me and helped me build my, my six-figure business and my first iteration of business. But man, did it take something. So I love that you stand firmly for your clients in that conversation around like, do you actually have the sales that you want? Do you have the business that you want? Do you have the results that you want? Because if you don't, you probably need some new support and some new sets of tools. Yeah, you're exactly right. Awesome. Let's roll into our speed round. You ready? Yeah. Okay. All right. And whatever comes to your mind, the first thing that comes to your mind, um, let's start. So we've got five questions. Here's the softball. This is the easy one. What is your favorite movie or favorite book? My favorite movie is Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Nicole Kidman. Yes. Christina Aguilera, whatever her name is. Yes. Christina Aguilera sings in it. But um, yeah, the main characters are are Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor. And it's just so beautiful. And and it makes sense. Like I've loved that movie since like middle school, but she's a courtesan. She's like a high-end prostitute. And she's like so sexual and beautiful and magnetic. And like, she falls in love and then it's like risque and it's like awful that she falls in love because she's not supposed to fall in love because she's a courtesan. And so now I look back and I'm like, of course, that's always been my favorite movie. Cause I was, you know, now I'm like, like pro-sexuality and sexual expression and erotic expression. So, but it's such a good movie and it's musical and I love musicals. Awesome. I love it. Okay. All right. What's something most people don't know about you? Hmm. Well, I'm originally from Maine. I'm from a small town in Maine, Orno, Maine. Um, 
some people know that about me. A lot of new people probably don't. Um, but I think it, it's, um, I, I like sharing that because I've been such a big city girl since I left, since I graduated from college, living in New York and then LA, I've lived in Paris, I live in Bali and I love the city. So um, even though Bali is very lush, I live in the city in Bali. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm a big city girl, but I am from a small town and um, like was raised in a, you know, my parents still in the same house. We never locked our doors growing up. Like it was very, very safe, very small neighborhood, like university town. And, um, and I feel so grateful for my upbringing and, and living like the, the kind of small town main life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never been to, I've heard great things about it. That's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay, I tap into my feminine radiance when I. Mm. When I'm dancing, especially when I'm doing sensual movement, like slow, sensual, erotic type movement. Um, when I'm in self-pleasure, when I'm connecting to my body, caressing my body, touching my body, feeling my pleasure. and when I'm like flirting for sure when I'm in sex when I'm having sex for sure but also pre-sex like even just flirting or like feeling magnetized to someone my magnet turns up like when I'm feeling attracted or turned on or alive like I definitely feel my magnetism increase mm -hmm, for sure okay love it um to me sales is love yeah yep so love yeah, it's, it's definitely, I agree. Um, and the last one is my greatest hope in the world is. Oh my God, I just got chills. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, that every human and I specifically focus on working with every woman will access her desire and her pleasure and put her truth and her intuition and inner knowing first. Mm. Yeah. That's that one thing is what, where is my inner knowing? What is happening? Where is she and how to tap into it? And I love that. What, what? And then how to trust it. Once you do hear the voice, it's like, there's so much distrust because of all the, all the shaming and all the second guessing and conditioning. It's like actually how to listen to it and trust it. Yeah. And trust it. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. Helping women, you're helping women trust themselves. Yeah. Which is really beautiful. Let's talk about your retreat in October. I'd love to. And so how Ellie, people can find you. So go ahead. Yeah. So Ellie and I run an annual event called the Desire on Fire Experience. It's a two-day weekend event. Um, it's happening in Southern California. It was actually going to be in Denver this year, and now we've moved it. Now it's in Southern California. It doesn't matter where it is because no matter what, it's going to be epic. And um, it is uh, October 1st and 2nd. And anyone listening, you are so invited to come join us for the weekend and dive into these conversations, learn new tools, meet incredible women from around the world. It's going to be 300 plus women. I'm actually holding the vision for 500 women, but it will be at least 300. And uh, it's the most amazing, magical thing that we do. So if you want to dive into this conversation around desire and pleasure, connecting to your inner guidance system, trusting yourself, loving your body, then join us. And you can, so my website is desireonfire.com. If you want to check out the event, it's desireonfirelive.com. And you all can use the code Jamie, J-A-I-M-E. And the code 
um, Jamie will give you $500 off the ticket price. So the ticket is $6.95 and you can get a ticket for $1.95 if you use the code Jamie. Oh my gosh, you got, did everyone hear that? Could you write that <laughs> down and know how to spell my name? Cause my name's spelled a little weird. <laughs> J-A-I-M-E. It will be in the show notes, but use the code Jamie and you can get $500 off your ticket and make it such a no brainer. Invite your girlfriends, your sisters, your cousins, bring them along. It's an all women event and it will completely alter your life forever. Like you will just love it. So give this gift to yourself if you feel called. Awesome. I love that. And also everyone, I suggest you follow Amy on Instagram. What's your yeah. name on Instagram? My Instagram handle is my name. So hope it'll be in the show notes. Amy Batuski. Mm-hmm. Um, it's spelled A-I-M-E-E is my first name, B-A-T-U-S-K-I. Um, and easier than that, you can also find us on uh, Instagram at Desire on Fire. So Desire on Fire on all platforms and Amy Batuski on all platforms. Both are a great place to find me. And you have the sexiest outfits. Like, I'm like, where does Amy shop? Could you have that one piece? First off, the pink sequence deep V. I know that jumpsuit is honestly the my favorite where outfit I've you, ever worn like, in my life. Yeah, we're talking later because I want that. I know. I can send it to you. It's, it's, it's Nadine Marabi. She's, she's an English, she's an, a British uh, designer. Um, I ordered it from the UK. It was like $300 shipping. <laughs> it's worth it. That it was so worth it. Gorgeous. I'm probably going to wear her again for the experience yes. in October because I just love the way it fit and the style. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to play with more outfits. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, Amy, you are so inspirational. I love the work you're doing. Keep doing this work. We need it. There's so many women out there that need to hear this message to move forward so that they can start trusting themselves. So Mm, thank you you for being on the show. Everyone, please go to our Instagram. Please go to our website. We'll see you in LA in October. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Jamie. It's been a pleasure. Okay, bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this conversation. I'm Jamie Rowe with Look What She Built the one and only podcast that celebrates the brave, bold, and badass women who are doing business their way and telling us about it. Until next time, go show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Please share this with three women because we all need to share positive messages in the world. And if you want to learn more, please connect with me on social at Impact to Income.